Hello, everyone. If I don't know you, my name is Kirsten Hyde, and I work here on staff. Um, if you don't know me, or if you do know me and you haven't met my husband, his name is Jonathan. Uh, if you follow me on the Instagram, you probably see his just attractive looks on my Insta a lot. Um, if you go to the ARC, you probably have seen us like training and working out. Uh, if you go to the hub ever, you probably have seen him there goofing off, making fun of our intern Megan a lot. Um, but when Jonathan is not modeling for my Instagram or working out or making fun of Megan, he actually is working here at this church. Um, he is one of the associate pastor. He is the associate pastor of First Christian Church, a church that is thriving in this place and that offers us the sanctuary, the hub, um, day in and day out on Tuesday nights. And because he is the associate pastor here, and because I work at the house, and this congregation sees y'all going in and out, sees remnants of you on Sunday mornings, they are always asking me, so what does the house do? And if I honestly had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that question, I could pay for like a lot of your mission trips. Um, but it's always a really hard thing for me to explain with words what the house is. I can give them like, okay, our, our vision statement, our hope is that these students would be known and know Jesus. I can tell them about how great our worship team is and how wonderful it is to learn alongside of all of you guys. I can tell them about the hub and core group and mission trips, but nothing like really hits home. I really just, I'm like, you just have to get it. You have to experience it. Because how can you actually understand how special the hub is until you live out finals week there? And how can you actually understand how crazy we are until you make pancakes till 3 a.m. for pancake breakfast? And how can you actually understand a Tuesday night unless you are here? How can you actually grasp how great a mission trip is until you're sitting in a 15-passenger van laughing so hard you may puke? How can you actually understand how great this community is until you are sitting on a couch in the hub crying with a friend? How do you actually explain what this place is with just words and not experience? Uh, on Sunday, I was actually trying so hard to explain to the congregation about the house that I was like, hold on, and I went downstairs and I grabbed some pictures of y'all and I was like, here, take a picture. This is Madison. She broke her foot. Pray for her. <laughs> and that was my attempt to actually get them to experience what this is. And a lot of you guys probably get this a lot. Like, well, what's Christianity? Who's Jesus? And, and you try with your words to explain these things, but you're just like, ugh. I want you to experience it. And our scripture tonight that when read earlier is, is a story of just this. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and asks him a question. And as opposed to Jesus answering directly, he says, mm, you've got to experience it. So my hope for you guys tonight is that you would know 
So Jesus is wanting you to experience him so that you would come to a deeper understanding of who he is. Let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you sent your spirit to be with us. And you gave us your scriptures. May we learn and be renewed and reborn as we hear and move into your truth. Pray this in your name. Amen. So, we experience Jesus, and as we do, it brings us to a deeper understanding of him. Our scripture comes from John 3, and we meet this man, Nicodemus, and he is a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin, which means that he um, is very highly respected, very educated, knows a ton about scripture, has a lot of power. Member of the Sanhedrin means he's doing dealings with the Romans and the Jews. So he's a big deal. And we read the story of him coming to Jesus in the middle of the night. So we can kind of suppose that maybe this meeting at midnight was done so that it would be in secret. Which, if that's the case, would make sense because Nicodemus kind of had a lot to lose. His peers were the ones that were trying to kill Jesus, so if they knew that he was going to him, it might be a problem. So we see Nicodemus go to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he asks him this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus doesn't quite respond to that. Instead, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus gets very confused. He says, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus, I'm at the top right now. You want me to go all the way back to the bottom? You want me to go find my mom and literally climb up into her womb? You're crazy. Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And all of this had to be probably such like a shock to Nicodemus. His whole entire life, He had been working for God, doing the right thing, knowing the scriptures, and now some guy is telling him that he is not going to see the kingdom of God, that he's not going to enter into the kingdom of God. That would be like a huge disappointment. But what Jesus knew is that, yes, Nicodemus knew all these things, but he was missing an actual experience with Jesus an experience with this new reality. And so what Jesus did is he said, I'm gonna invite you into an experience with me which is gonna look like rebirth. As opposed to actually answering your question, I'm gonna invite you to experience me. And that will bring you understanding. 
and if you're kind of like still confused, like maybe I shouldn't be like Nicodemus and be confused about this reborn mother's womb thing, you're not alone. It's kind of confusing in general. So what Jesus is trying to get out here, being reborn again, is literally a whole new shift of life. A new mode. Not just like a, I'm going to start following this little rule. I'm going to change up this thing a little bit. I'm going to have like a new paint job done. Like he's saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's saying things must be totally different, totally new. A whole new building put up. Not just simply a little paint job done, but the whole thing torn down and new. The house that I rent from, uh, the porch is falling apart, and it's just really ugly. Um, the people that flipped it did a really bad job. And now I can go to Home Depot, repaint it, it'll look a little better, but it's still not going to be very functional. It's still going to be falling apart. I mean, there's just gaps in the whole thing. It really just needs to be torn out and rebuilt. That is what Jesus is talking about, a whole new thing. Now, the good news for y'all, sometimes I get worried about this, but, like, I'm going to rebuild my porch, and the porch is still a porch. It's just new. You guys have new life. You're still you. It's just new. And that whole idea is found all over Scripture. Start looking for it, recognizing it. But that's what he's talking about, a new mode shift, a transformation. And I think when we look at being born again as a transformation, I think it actually will help us understand what it actually means. So let's look at four different transformations that we see when we're born again to kind of really understand what in the world Jesus is talking about. Um, so the first transformation that we'll see with being born again is that one that comes from the inside out. So later on in Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus, we see Jesus get a little frustrated with him. He's trying to explain to Nicodemus, you just got to be born again. And he's just like, I don't, I don't understand. So the second time Nicodemus says, I don't, I don't get what you're saying. And Jesus responds to him and says, aren't you a teacher of Israel? How do you not understand these things? And we see that Jesus is getting a little frustrated with him because what he's doing is trying to express and communicate to Nicodemus in his own language, the language of Scripture. See, what Jesus has done is he says you must be born of water and spirit. He's actually trying to point Nicodemus back to a prophecy, Prophecy that Nicodemus surely would have known because that was his job all the time. He was memorizing scripture. He knew it. He would have known this prophecy that came from Ezekiel. A prophecy that will help us understand and unpack a little bit about what it means to be born again. So Tyler, will you put that um, passage from Ezekiel 36 up there? I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. 
I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You must be born of water and spirit. He's pointing to this verse that when you are born of water, you are sprinkled clean, you are cleansed, and then your heart of stone is removed and a new heart, a heart of flesh is put within you. You are reborn from the inside out. The next transformation is that we will see when we're reborn is one of the spirit. So the same scripture, there is a promise, a prophecy that he will put his spirit within his people. And Jesus is saying the time has come. This is what you've been looking for, Nicodemus. I'm going to put my spirit within you, and that's what that transformation is going to look like. So when we're reborn, if we have this birth of the spirit, then probably our new life going to look like the Spirit. It's going to look like the fruits of the Spirit. More patient and kind, more joyful and gentle, self-controlled and loving. And this transformation will look like the Spirit, and then the crazy thing about it is just kind of like our literal birth, it was like kind of a passive thing, like we didn't really do much when we were born. The Holy Spirit is actually the one that's transforming us. Jesus doesn't look at Nicodemus and is like, okay, now reach inside your heart, take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. He's saying, I want to transform you, will you say yes? And if you will, my spirit will be doing the transformation, will be doing the cleansing. Do you want it? And then the next transformation that we will see when we are reborn is that of family. Um, so we read the scripture now in English, but um, it was written in Greek. And so the Greek word when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again, that word again has a double meaning. and also means from above. You must be born from above. And for us, now that we get to like read the Bible all together, we're not just like there right where Jesus is, we're reading the Bible. What this should kind of remind us of, okay, born from above and then born of the spirit and of water, maybe should remind us of what we studied a couple weeks ago, John 1. When John introduces Jesus to us. So let's read that together. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. When we are born again, we are born of God, born from above, and born into his family. So when we're born again, our life looks new because it looks like us as children of God, not as orphans. And those of you who are going to Ecuador or Haiti or have been to an orphanage know how differently an orphan functions than a child who knows that their family is there for them. 
And just like this John 1 passage says that our fleshly selves are going to function outside of that as orphans. And so we find ourselves, when we're not born again, functioning in that structure where we struggle to believe that we are loved, where we decide that we must be independent, that we are always feeling like we have to fight this world, that we're fearful. But when we're born again and born into his family, we begin to function within this construct of child of God. And we act out of this knowledge that we are loved, out of this dependence on Christ, we become more bold and confident. We look and act new. And then the last transformation that we really can see is one of a new perspective. So Jesus says that you must be born again to be able to see the kingdom of God. So when we're born again, we have new sight. We're not just seeing the things that are here on earth. We kind of have this other view. That we're able to see hope in the midst of suffering, compassion in the midst of anger. We're seeing what God is up to all around. So being born again is a life that is alive, refreshed, renewed. It is a life that has a totally new mode, one that's transformed from the inside, one that is transformed by the Spirit, one that looks like family, one with new perspective. And this is what Jesus was offering to Nicodemus. He was saying, come on, man. I want you to actually experience this transformation. Because I can give you an answer to your question. I can say, yes, I was sent from God and end it. But is that actually going to change anything going on inside of your heart? See, if you didn't catch it, Nicodemus was the guy who gets to sit with Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, the famous John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. How much more powerful is sitting and experiencing Jesus, Jesus saying that to you than just saying, yeah, I was sent by God. Maybe for you guys, just like Nicodemus, you know the right answers, you've done the right thing, but you haven't actually experienced God. So it's going to be really hard to believe that he was sent by God. Because it is through experience that we come to more of an understanding of who God is. And it is in this experience that we are changed transformed and born again. Would Nicodemus actually have been changed if Jesus just would have answered the question versus him experience him? How many times have you guys been telling a story and been like, ah, 
and then ended it with like, uh, I don't know, you just had to be there. Or somebody's talking to you and you are like, they're talking about something like, well, you'll understand when you're older. You'll understand later. It's kind of frustrating, right? But it points to the fact that when we experience something, we have a deeper understanding of it. So my whole life, I never had a pet. I mean, I had a cat for like a minute, but it hated us, so I don't really count that. Um, but then when I got married, I married in, um, into an animal. But before that, I had honestly, for real, honestly, I didn't really understand like why people like paid so much money for their animals or why they like wouldn't want to go away for the weekend because they like, didn't want to leave their cat or they like got really upset when their animal passed away. Like none of it made any sense. But when Sawyer, my golden retriever, came into my life, like now I like really actually believe that like dogs can be your best friend. And I've experienced like the excitement I have when I go home and like the buddy like runs down the stairs and is like, hey. And I've experienced like leaving for the week and just wanting whoever's watching my dog to like send me all like the fun pictures of him having like so much fun and like look at him napping here and look at him napping here. Like I want to see all of those things and, and I literally cry when he's injured or sick. Because I have experienced Sawyer, I understand, I get it. If we are wanting a deeper understanding of God, we must experience him. And this experience he invites us into, it's being born again. And when we're born again, it changes everything. One of my favorite parts about this story tonight is that Nicodemus' story doesn't just end after John 3. But we see him show up two more times throughout the Gospel of John. And as we see him show up again, we see his reactions in the story, we can make the assumption that he's been changed. That he has taken Jesus up on his offer and been born again. So let's put John 7 up there. This is the next time we see Nicodemus. And what's just happened is that the Pharisees, his little buddies, um, are trying to arrest Jesus. And so they've hired these officers, these like Jewish police officers, to go and arrest him. And we have this encounter. Um, this encounter with him. The Pharisees ask these officers, why did you not bring him, Jesus? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered him, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and was with them, said, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Okay, so 
Nicodemus is with these other Pharisees, and they have just criticized the officers. For say, they were saying, you know what, nobody, no authority, no Pharisees actually believe in this guy. So what, what's wrong with you guys? And then Nicodemus stands up and defends Jesus, asks for a fair trial for him. And immediately he is critiqued, put down, they look at him, are you from Galilee too? Are you stupid? Go search those scriptures, those things you've been sitting your whole life because you're totally wrong about that. But Nicodemus defends Jesus. He's been transformed. His head knowledge is now connected to his heart knowledge. And then we see him again towards the very end of the Gospel of John. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe in tote go and bury Jesus. Nicodemus was one of the two faithful people that were at Jesus' burial. Seemingly, Nicodemus was reborn. In our rebirth, this new birth from above again, doesn't just happen once. It's not just a one and done thing. It's a continuation. We are born again and again and again. It's like the scripture that says, don't get drunk on wine, but get drunk on the spirit, that we're continually consuming it. We are looking at Jesus as our daily bread, that he's created this relationship with us through this experience, that we must go back to him again and again and again, day in and day out. So instead of us just looking at, okay, we have this spiritual birthday that some traditions teach about, what if we also look at the fact that we are being reborn of the Spirit all the time and that is transforming us daily into the likeness of Christ. And that us being born from above is experiencing Jesus in a relationship with him, in a relationship that moves us through a process, being born again and again and again, where we're curious and confused have an experience and are changed. And this experience is one that Nicodemus encountered. He was curious, who is this Jesus guy? He was very confused. You want me to climb into my mom's womb? He has an experience with Jesus that then changes him. And this is, this is what God is asking us to enter into. We want to be reborn, but we're going to need to enter into this process over and over and over. And it's a process that's actually really uh, familiar for anything that you want change with. You want to learn basketball, yoga, how to play a board game. We start by being curious. And then you move into a time of confusion. I don't really know how to do this. You have some struggle. 
And all the while, you're experiencing this game, this practice. And then you're going to have this like aha moment where like, oh my gosh, I got it. And realize that you're changed into a basketball player, into a board gamer, into a yogi. But as you're doing that, as you've learned to hit that three-point shot or learn to do that handstand or headstand or whatever, you're going to want more. Okay, well, I hit that, that one like jump shot two times. Now I need to hit it like, five times. Okay, I learned how to do that handstand. Now I need to learn how to do this headstand. Oh, I beat that one person in the board game. I got to do it again. And so you get more curious, and then you enter into more confusion and more experience, and you just develop more and more change. It's not a linear process that you're walking in. It is a circular, continual one that develops change. That is the same with our rebirth. But the thing with that, when it comes to Jesus, is that we have to do that looking at him. Our curiosity and confusion experience with him. Because think about it with falling in love. Same process. You get curious. You get like a crush on that person over there. Pretty cute. Then you like get confused. Like, oh, do they like me back? Like, do they want distance? Like, should I call them? Then as you are like in this confusion state, you're going on dates, you're experiencing life with them, understanding them more. Then you're changing this, this crush has changed to like and changed to love. But what if you did all of that without them? What if you were curious about them just with your friend? Then you're confused if they liked you but never talked to them. Like it just, it wouldn't work. And it continues, right? Even with love. I'm still curious about Jonathan. I'm still confused by him. I'm still experiencing life with him. And I'm still changed. Because how boring would love be if we were not actually curious? So we want this process to actually move into our spiritual life. So that we can continue to experience Jesus. So how do we do that? Start at the beginning. Cultivate your curiosity. We're all very curious people, I'm sure. We're curious often about what people are thinking about us. So what if we took that curiosity and decided, okay, half the time that I'm going to like worry about what people are thinking about me, what if I just ask the question, God, like, what do you think about me? Or we look at Snapchat and Instagram all the time. We're curious, who's that person in the back of that? Ooh, do they like them? Oh, why are they in that other country? So what if we took half the time we were on social media and used that to be curious about Jesus and said, okay, I'm going to use that time to, like, ask him some questions, study his scriptures. And then what if we began to cultivate our confusion? That we didn't just give up when things were really confusing that we entered into it and we looked at Christ with these struggles, that we literally wrestled with him in it. it. Seems scary, I know. 
But instead of opening your Bible and trying to find that verse that answered that question to understand your confusion, what if you just said, okay, God, I don't understand this. Help me understand you. Because that then will cultivate your experience with Christ. And then you'll have to cultivate that time of experience, especially if you do not spend a lot of time thinking about Jesus, talking to him, talking about him. You may have to actually put in your schedule, just like you do work, just like you do school, that time experiencing Jesus, practicing disciplines, fasting, study, prayer, celebration, conversation. And as you begin to practice these times, you will get to know Jesus and experience him, and you will want more of it. And you'll have more curiosity and more confusion and more experience, and you will then see this change that is happening within each of you. So the question for y'all tonight, do you guys see this change? Do you see this transformation of new birth within you? Do you see your life, this fresh, renewed self? One of a new mode where you're being transformed from the inside out, where you're seeing the fruits of the Spirit flow from you, where you are seeing yourself function as a child, not an orphan, where you're able to see the kingdom of God all around you. And if you're not seeing these changes, why not? Are you afraid of being curious because of the spiral you think it will take you on? Are you afraid to be confused because you're gonna look stupid? Have you maybe never experienced God? Have you never in a concrete way experienced him saying that he desires you, fights for you, is for you? Do you not know what change could even be in your life? That your anger could actually be changed into compassion that your bitterness could actually be changed into love, that your exhausted spirit could be changed into one that is filled with rest. Jesus wants you to experience life with him through transformation and rebirth so that you would come to a deeper understanding of who he is. And sometimes, honestly, it, it's hard. <laughs> Life just kind of goes on and continues and, and you know, like you're doing good and, and you don't really recognize that maybe there's parts of you that are stale and dying and old. I mean, Nicodemus, when he went to Jesus, he didn't think that his, like, you know, view of Scripture was old and needed to be new. So maybe tonight 
the question for all of you to ask is, what's not working in my life? What's stale? What's old? And that's going to take a lot of courage to admit. For you to get curious and say, this relationship isn't working. This major I've been in for three years isn't working. This roommate isn't working. This core group isn't working. And then when you admit that, get curious, get confused, and bring that to Jesus. And ask him, show me, Lord, what you're doing in the midst of these places. What new life looks like there. And maybe, like Nicodemus, he won't directly answer your question. But you will experience him, and that will transform you and offer you new life in those places because you have been changed and made new. He also may answer it very directly. And you may see that new life Rebirth looks like singleness. Looks like a new major and two more years of school. Looks like a new roommate. Looks like a new Christian community. But maybe, like Nicodemus, it won't look that drastic, at least from the outside. See, Nicodemus, when he had this new life, you know, before he experienced Jesus, he was a Pharisee and a teacher. After he experienced Jesus, he was a Pharisee and a teacher. Before he experienced Jesus, he's buddies with the Pharisees. After he experienced Jesus, he's still hanging out with the Pharisees. Yet he had changed internally. And I think this is where it gets hard. And I actually really understand him. Because my story wasn't this dramatic. I had this one big rebirth thing, like I did drugs and now I don't do drugs. Or the Samaritan woman, I actually almost used her in this whole entire sermon and I kind of felt bad scratching her because, you know, women's week. But, like, she has this dramatic story of, of a new birth and that's attractive because you're like, oh, at least I can see that. But our, most of us, our daily life, are these things that seem like a little shift, but really they're huge. Our life may look the same. Like people ask, like, what's new? And I'm like, oh, same job, same husband, same house, same dog, same ballet company. But what's happening inside of me is new and changing. Just maybe doesn't look this huge dramatic thing. So maybe for you, new life in your relationship, rebirth, maybe it looks like a really hard conversation that you need to hash out. Maybe rebirth in your major looks like you actually caring about learning and loving your professor. Maybe rebirth with your roommate Looks like doing their dishes. 
Maybe rebirthing your core group looks like you being really vulnerable and opening up. I don't know. But I know that Jesus wants to experience life with you. So will you be people that admit this isn't working? And ask the Lord to show you what he is up to in that and that he may give you new life and rebirth in those places. And whether or not he answers your questions directly, he's going to give you understanding of him while you experience who he is. And through that, he will change you and you will be born again and again and again. Let's pray. Father God, um, I pray tonight that, um, gosh, if anyone in this room has never experienced this new reality with you ever, that they would be intrigued and curious to experience you, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to the places that you would have us being reborn. Take out our heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. Thank you that you are a God that offers newness in life. Put this in your name. Amen.